some of you know we've been talking about this for a while, but the Bible Engagement Project is starting on January 3rd. We would like everybody possible in the church to be involved in this because we think it's that important that God's people engage God's word not only individually, but in community. We don't know what God does when we begin to sit around in a circle and talk about God's word. And God does all kinds of great things with his word is living and active. So I want to encourage you to sign up for the Bible Engagement Project. Right on the back of the card, uh, of the connection card, so that we know that you're planning to do it. It is, uh, we did ship our, 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 we're not going to have Thursday night prayer anymore. It's going to be Wednesday night. We're going to start our prayer at 6.30, and then we're going to start the Bible Engagement Project at 7. And for teens, they're also going to be doing the Bible Engagement Project, and they're going to start a little earlier. They're going to be here at 6.30. So they're going to be doing the same thing on a different level, you know, different, um, but we're going to be going through the same scripture passages that the adults are going through. And we think it's important to engage in getting into God's word. I also want to let you know that next week is, what is next week? Uh, Sunday. Okay, it is Sunday. Next week is Sunday. So we will do what we usually do on Sunday, what we're in the habit of doing on Sunday, which is being here at 10, 10, 10 a.m. sharp, of course. Being here at 10 a.m. to worship the Lord together, and uh, we, we, we celebrate, we're going to celebrate our Christmas Eve first with our church family, and then uh, allow you to celebrate with your family. Uh, but we want to encourage you, there is a sign-up sheet, and I'm not sure who has it. Oh, Karen has a sign-up sheet. If you'd like to bring cookies or something, we're going to have cookies and hot chocolate afterwards. We're going to have a fun time together celebrating the birth of Christ. And uh, so we want to encourage you to do that. You can sign up and write it on the, on the, the uh, sign-up sheet that we're bringing. That would be great. Yes. Yeah, that was a good idea. The waiting season. How many of you like to wait? How many of you love to wait and hold and wait for things? Um, someone here that just loves to wait. It's your favorite thing to do. Nobody likes to wait, especially when it comes to waiting on God. Talk about waiting. I don't know how many of you are doing any online Christmas shopping this year. Oh my it is, it, it can be a little messy. And we have a P.O. box, and it gets a little messy with that because we don't have a mailbox yet or anything else. And so we have a P.O. box, and uh, so we have to go to the P.O. post office box to get the stuff that we so we ordered a bunch of things for the kids, you know, Black Friday, got some other deals, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and we sent the, the, the place that they shipped it to us, and we received that on November 24th, but we had nothing for the post office to deliver. So here we are waiting and waiting, thinking, well, maybe it's going to show up at some point, and it still didn't show up. So the post office says, well, it's their fault. They must have done it. And they said, no, the post office said that they received it. So we're going back and forth, still didn't receive So yesterday, Friday, we go to the post office, walk in, <coughs> I was talking to the gentleman about our packages, where did they go, do you know anything about that? He said, no, I don't, I don't, I, don't think, I think it was just in the midst of, midst of talking, I'm the one who always picks up the mail. So as soon as I walked in, they recognized me without knowing. Oh, we have a ton of packages for you. They've been building up here. Because usually they put a little yellow ticket in your box, and if it's, there's no yellow ticket, 
But all that time waiting, 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 how stressful is that? Waiting on something that we should have received on the 23rd of November, it's got to be good if we don't wait. But what happens when that waiting season is over and you finally get it? Right? You're, you're excited, you're happy that you got the thing that you ordered. So when we talk about that same thing with the waiting seasons, some of you right now may be feeling like you are waiting on God. You're waiting for something to take place. You're praying for something. Maybe you prayed for something and you're wondering, God, why is it taking so long? I've been praying for this for years and years and years. God, are you even listening to me? Do you hear my prayers when I pray? Do you even care? Or have you forgotten me? Maybe you're praying that God would heal you of something. Maybe you have a physical problem. I know we've been praying for life for a long time for migraines. Them in a little while, but they, they do recur every so often. But we're continuing to pray for a full and complete healing that they don't return. So we continue to pray. Maybe you're praying for a job that has decent benefits so you can provide for your family, take care of them. Perhaps you're praying that that loved one that you've been praying for for a long time will come to Christ. Maybe you ask God to heal you from depression, and it just doesn't seem to work. Maybe you're hurting marriage. Or for God to bring you a spouse. And yet the more you pray, the less you see happening. And you wonder, where are you, God? I've been praying for this over and over and over again for years. I don't see anything happening. I don't see anything taking place. I heard of a woman who had been praying for a spouse. And like many young women do, she wrote down 43 different qualities she was looking for in that spouse. 43. And she was praying that, that list, God, I need somebody who fits all of these 43 qualifications. God, bring me a man with these 43 qualities. After a few years, it was down to two. I want him to be a male, and I want him to be employed. <laughs>
in his word that he would send the Messiah and God would send this Savior to the world. God promised it would happen and then for decades after decades and centuries after centuries still no Messiah. Still no Savior. In fact, I want to show you just how long God's people waited on God's promise. Now we have to go back all the way to the beginning to the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden to see where the first glimpse of that promise took place. And if you know the story, you know that God created man and said, it's good, but it's not good that you're alone. You keep getting into trouble. You need help. So he sent his name. And the old, of course, pastor's joke is Adam saw Eve and he said, whoa, man. God said, here, now you are, you're all together, so now your job, your responsibility is to be fruitful and to multiply, to be blessed, to enjoy the garden, and don't eat from just that one tree. I'm not trying to forbid you from having fun, I'm trying to free you for life and blessing. And Eve gave in, and Adam gave in, and they sinned, and they were ashamed, and God brought a covering over them, and then there's one little weird verse that you may maybe Many theologians and scholars say that this first prophecy, this is the first prophecy, that God would send a Savior, a Messiah would come. The verse says, the seed of a woman would crush the serpent's head. So someday, someone from the lineage of Eve would come and would crush the serpent, the head of the spiritual enemy. And there would be victory, and their death would be conquered. And hell would be conquered, and sin would be conquered, and then we would have true freedom. One day, it's prophesied that God would send a Savior through the seed of a woman who would crush the serpent's head. We go all the way back to the third chapter of the Bible, and God has already, in the third chapter of the Bible, promised a Savior. But then centuries passed. And really, we can pick up the story anywhere in the Old Testament. But we're going to pick it up in the book of Isaiah. 700 years. Say 700. 700. 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah prophesied that he would come and that this prophecy would be fulfilled through this Christ. 700 years, it seems like a long time. Okay? Imagine waiting 700 years for something. Isaiah 7.14 says this. It says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 700 years, miraculously, before the event, Isaiah prophesied. And then they had to wait. And wait. And wait. And look, when will he send the Messiah? We sing that, that Christmas hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom our captive Israel. What is God doing when we're waiting? What's God doing when we're praying for healing, when we're praying for blessing, when we're praying for reconciliation, when we're praying for provision? Is he praying? 
is not union and will be. Those are fair questions. Do you ever ask that question? Do you ever wonder what God is doing in this waiting season of your life? Because it's safe to ask the real questions and take them before a God that has real answers. What is God doing in your waiting? To try to answer that very important question, what I want to do is show you a period of the Bible, or the period that's actually not even in the Bible. It's called the intertestamental period. There's a period in history that is not recorded in the Bible. And I want to explain to you what the intertestamental history was, this period. It's a period of about 400 years between the book of Malachi, when it ended the Old Testament, and the beginning of Matthew in the New Testament. About 400 years took place there. And during this time, during this 400 years, there was no word from the Lord. The Lord seemed silent. There were getting no Malachites, no prophets standing up speaking the word of the Lord. So God didn't speak at all, which made things way more difficult, because before, when they were waiting on the Savior, at least they were hearing some words from God, some words from his prophets. But now they continued to wait, and they heard nothing at all. Silence. I'm guessing this morning there may be some here that know exactly what that is. praying about something, or you have faith for something, or you're believing for something, and yet, you have no word from God. You're getting nothing. You do not have a sign that he's heard from you. There's no sign that he is active. There's no sign that he cares for you. All that we all want most of the time is just some answer, any answer, let alone that answer. So we think, just give me a sign. Give me a feeling. Give me anything. so silent in moments of our lives. I want to remind you that just because God feels silent doesn't mean he's not listening. Just because God feels silent doesn't mean he's not listening. What is God doing while you're waiting? I want to show you today through God's word and while you're waiting that God's He's working in all things to bring about to good because he does love you. He is a good father. He has good plans for you. He wants to bless your life. He wants to prosper you just because you do not see it happening. Because you don't see it happening right now doesn't mean that he is not doing it now. But what is God doing while we're waiting? God is always working, even while we are waiting. I want to show you a verse in the New Testament that gives us some context. God's timing and towards the event we celebrate in the season, which is the birth of Christ. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, But when the right time came, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, to be subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law, so 
so that we could adopt, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Here we're going back to Genesis 3, where it said the seed of a woman would smash the head of the serpent. So this says, when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman. And that's interesting. At the perfect time, in the perfect moment, when the time had fully come, God sent his son to purchase us out of the sinful world. To redeem us with forgiveness and grace. That we are no longer children of sin, but instead we are children of the most high God. So it says again, when the right time came. Literally this means when the time was fully pregnant. When the right time came. When the time was fully pregnant. And as someone who watched his wife give birth three times. I know what that means. When time comes. In other words, when it's not time, you can't force it. When it's not time, you can't force it. And when it's time, you can't stop it. saying it is if it's God's time, if it's God's time, you can't do it. If it's not God's time, you can't do it. So when the time is fully right, there is no power on earth that can stop the will of God. So when the time was right, God sent his son born of a woman. So centuries passed and people were waiting on a savior. When did God fulfill his promise to send the Messiah? The answer is when the time was just right. God sent his son. Now looking back, we can see why God waited. Sometimes in hindsight, we can see why God waited, why God shifted some things. Sometimes we can see the why behind the wait. Have you heard the phrase that hindsight is 2020? You see perfectly looking back often why God did some of the things that he did in our lives. But right now, if you're in a season of waiting, you don't see that. You don't understand that. But years from now, you may look back and say, wow, I'm so glad that I didn't fill in the blank. Or I'm so glad that I did fill in the blank. Because you can look back and see what was happening in that time. So sometimes in hindsight, you can see the why behind the wait. And when we look back, we can see exactly why God waited for the perfect time. Because his ways are always good. Just because God feels silent doesn't mean he's acting. We need to read and remember that our God is a good God. But now let's get back to Hebrews chapter 9. Anybody love history in here? I'm going to give you a little history. So don't blaze out if you don't like history this morning. This is going somewhere. We're heading, heading somewhere with this. So just hang, hang on with me for a moment. There were five of the most important things that God was doing in those 400 years. Five things that he did. While everyone was waiting for the Messiah. And the first thing. How many of you have ever heard of a guy named Alexander the Great? Ever heard of the Great? In 12 years, he conquered the entire known world. 12 years. Now, let me just give you a little secret. When you conquer the world in 12 years, you get the great added to your name. <laughs> right? Just add that name. And you know, we can, in recent 
history, we call a lot of people the GOAT. What is GOAT mean? Greatest of all time. Yeah. All they did was dunk a basketball and throw a football. This guy ruled the world. Why is this significant? Because this was the first time in human history that there was a common language. In those days, almost everyone spoke a little bit of Greek because Alexander the Great conquered the whole world at the time. The second thing during this time is the Old Testament was translated into, guess what language? Greek. The language that at least everyone spoke a little bit of. Previously, it was in Hebrew until about the year 280 or so B.C. The Old Testament and all of its prophecies about the Messiah were then translated into Greek for people to be able to read the prophecies that were given about the Messiah, that he was to come. The third thing that you may have heard of is something called the Socratic Method, made famous by the famous philosopher Socrates. This was a new way of learning that emerged for the first time instead of teaching one-way communication, like we're doing right now in a sense, although I imagine for some response, people were encouraged to ask questions and not just sit by that's the third thing. Number four, in 63 BC, the Romans conquered the Greeks, and there was a very unusual and unprecedented peace season where they began to work on roads, and instead of fighting wars, they developed roads and highways and a transportation system so that communication could get around like it never could before. And number five, there was this thing known as di diaspora. Really weird season when the Jews were taken from Jerusalem and out of their homeland, and suddenly they were dispersed throughout the Roman world. And when we add all of these things together, you start to see the why behind the wait. You see, they were asking, Where are you, God? What are you doing? What were you doing in this season of silence, in those 400 years when we heard nothing from you? In those 400 years when people wondered where God was and what he was doing, suddenly everyone for the first time could read the Bible, could read the Old Testament scriptures in a language that they understood at that time. Now, of course, we say For the first time, they were not only allowed but encouraged to ask questions to the God who was about to send the answer. And the answer's name was Jesus. Out of nowhere, for the first time in history of the world, the good news of a Savior could travel through a common language across roads and highways through a Jewish, to a Jewish people who spread throughout the entire Roman world, and then to the Gentiles, and then to beyond. In other words, while God's people were still waiting, God was waiting. In the same way this morning, I want to while you are praying, while you are wondering, you're hoping, and you're asking, and you're waiting, recognize that God is working even if you don't see it. Even if you don't see it with your eyes, even if you don't understand what's happening in the background, God is still working on your behalf this morning. Some of you might feel like you're in a holding pattern. It's not getting anywhere. Anybody ever feel like you're just on a you're going very fast, and you're moving, but you're not really getting anywhere. You're praying, and you're just on that treadmill, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you don't 
see it happening. You don't see the results. You don't see what's going on. You're staying in the same place. You're waiting, you're believing, you're doing everything that you know to do. You're trusting in a God that you really can, but he hasn't come. You might be wondering, Joseph had a vision to rule, to lead, to influence, and to save. He waited for 13 years. And much of that was in prison for a crime that he didn't even commit. 13 years of waiting. A season of waiting before the dream became a reality. The woman with the issue of blood spent 12 years in private agony, unable to function like a normal woman, held up relationally, spiritually was considered unclean because of the loss of blood. Twelve years it took before the moment that she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and he turned to her and said, your faith is healed. There's a man who couldn't walk for 38 years in the temple. Jesus looked up, up at him and said, pick up your mat. and you'll internalize it this morning, that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Just because he hasn't doesn't mean that he is not going to. Maybe he's just not timing. What are you waiting for this morning? I know the Israelites waited for a long-expected Messiah. But what is it? What have you been waiting for? Some of you are waiting on it, whatever it is for you. You're waiting on the answer, you're waiting on a miracle, you're waiting on the finances, you're waiting on the relationship. Whatever it is, maybe the reason you're waiting on it is because it's not ready. Or maybe you are not ready. See, God is doing something in you. And what I found is that God will often do something in you before he does something for you. God's doing something in you before he does something for you. So don't waste the waiting seasons. Maybe what God is teaching you is how to depend on him in a way that you never had to depend on him before. Maybe he's revealing his faithfulness to you in a way that you could not have experienced otherwise. Seeing his faithfulness working on your behalf. Maybe he is teaching you patience. And all of us hate that one. Don't want to learn patience because the only way to learn patience is to have to be patient. Is to get
get behind the guy going 20 on 151, the whole way to Hyannis. That's that's a testing of patience, right? Oh, I'm going to get me going. But maybe he's not getting something off of you. Maybe there's something that you're still holding on to that he's, he's trying to rework in your life. Maybe he's chipping away at some sin in your life you just haven't quite been able to get a handle on or get, uh, be completely healed from or moved away from. Maybe he's conforming you into the image of Christ. Maybe he is still working on you to prepare you for what he has for you. Maybe it's not right now. Maybe you and I. Whatever's going on, I would encourage you, don't waste the seasons of waiting. Don't waste the waiting seasons. Isaiah 64, 4 says, For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen works for those who wait. See, when you wait on God, He acts on your behalf. He responds. He initiates. He corrects. God's ways, we believe, God's ways are always good. His timing, His timing is always perfect. We can trust Him. We can trust Him with His timing. He is not ignoring you. He has not forgotten you. He loves you. He cares about you. And he is always with you. And our God hears the cries of your heart. Just because he feels sorry for you does not mean he's satisfied. I saw something this week that there's some people that don't say God is silent. today, we pray that you would do a work in our own heart. We ask you to work on our own heart in our season of life. Some of you look at a bow that your eye closes and there's no second pray in it. And then there's someone here this morning who will say, yes, there's something behind you. There's a prayer that feels on the inside. 
find yourself this morning in a waiting season. And you want God to have his way and do his will. And you need to give someone you need to something like that. Why don't you pray for them? And I'll pray see any work happening. Lord, I pray that you would build our faith and encourage us this morning. And you would help us to deepen our faith and our trust in you. Draw us closer to you than we've ever been before, Lord Jesus. Continue to work in our lives in such a way that we can trust your character, your nature, the person of who you are. And we can continue to wait. For we need faith to do that. God, for those who are waiting right now, would you Knowing that you're still working and that we can trust you. But we trust you and we believe by faith that the perfect time, the right thing, you will do your perfect will in our life. We see your plan. Thank God, close and every hand for God this morning. You may be here this morning. so much that he sent his son to this earth, Jesus Christ, a man that became flesh and lived among us. He's conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's the perfect man of God. He's Messiah, God the Son, the Savior. And you sent your son to redeem his life. This morning you may be a hearing heart.
to save me. Forgive my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I can love you. So I can serve you well. So I can be with you. Today I thank you for your love. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. If you said that prayer, Thank you. 
do it in here, okay? We'll probably bring a table out. We might talk about this stuff down here. Oh, Thank <laughs> you. 